place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where the no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now This issue of the Sunspots Comics podcast is brought to you by our sponsor Cryptid Zoo at cryptidzoo.com Cryptid Zoo is basically a t-shirt line that's uniquely and strangely infused with augmented reality, and it's inspired by cryptozoology folklore figures like the Bigfoot. All the shirts are designed and hand-screen printed on 100% cotton, pre-shrunk t-shirts by the artist and owner of Cryptid Zoo, our friend Julian Meyer. You gotta see it. You hover your smartphone over the shirt and it does stuff on the screen. It's pretty crazy. It just comes to life. You gotta see it. So please check out cryptidzoo.com and also... Use the promotional code Sunspots Comics. That's right, and you'll get 30% off your purchase. Most of the Cryptid Zoo shirts are about 27 bucks, so it's a great deal, and that's with tax and shipping included before the discount. So don't forget, use Sunspots Comics as your promo code on cryptidzoo.com, and you'll get a big discount. And that is C R Y P T I D Zoo.com. Aloha, everyone. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 133. Covering all the brand new comic books that came out just this last Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, November 15th. And this particular podcast does work really well in an ensemble as the Sparky Comic Relief. I am your comic book loving host, Chris Latori. Thank you so much for joining us right here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast. I hope that you and all of yours are happy and healthy, especially with the holiday coming up. So... Spend some time with folks that you love. And right here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, what is the gist? What is this about? Well, simple. Utilizing a gabagool of years, and that's a bunch, of comic book reading experience, and I present in my own positively charged, unique, weird way, I recommend, review, and discuss my favorite picks of the best brand new comics that just came out this week. So it's all about the brand new stuff. Never miss an issue of our Sunspots Comics Podcast. Just please subscribe to it. Follow us along at the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, all in one conveniently simple-to-find place, at Sunspots Comics. That's right. Please spread the, spread the word. Tell a nerdy loved one about our podcast. We'd appreciate that. And a couple of fast thank yous. I'd, of course, like to thank Nick Papa George, my friend, for making our fantastic, super great Sunspots Comics theme song. I love it. Also, check out his band, Solution. Him and the boys. He's the lead singer. He also is the guitarist, or one of the guitarists. Please go to solutionmusic.net for links to their music and some show dates that are coming up. Right now, you're actually listening to song seven of nine. Yes, I've been playing one song from each, a track from each, uh, from one track at a time for the, for the last nine podcasts. And this is number seven. Uh, so two more to go. It's called Beautiful Dream. I love it. It's just feel good. It's one of those upbeat tracks. Just make me feel happy. Check out their album, Palm Trees and Freeways. It's available on iTunes. I highly recommend this band. If you love reggae, ska, just feel good rock kind of music, you're going to love Solution. So please check them out. They're also on Facebook.com slash Solution Reggae. And second thank you, of course, to my son, Justin Jables Latori. He is working on our spinoff podcast called Sunspot Scene. Check it out. Episode 11 is now available. They, uh, Him and his buddies review the Stranger Things Season 2. It's my son Justin, his friend Moises and Matt. Hey guys, 
They call themselves the Kung Pao 3 Delight. I have no idea why, but I love it. They talk about movies, TV shows, all genres, really not just comic books. So if you love movies, TV shows, you want to hear them talk about it, it's a great time. They also play a little funny game at the very end. If you subscribe to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, you'll already see it there on the feed, but it's also everywhere on all the the podcatchers. It's a fun time. Please check it out and also follow their Instagram at sunspotscene. And right now, it's free comic book time. Who doesn't love free comic books? You gotta love them. And I actually have a free digital copy of Moon Knight, issue number 188. Yes, legacy numbering from Marvel Comics, written by Max Bemis and stunning art by Jason Burrows. This is a great little setup issue. There's a new, it's a new arc. There's a brand new villain that they're building, Raw. It's fantastic. The therapist of Moon Knight is a little bit obsessed with MK and actually even tries to recreate the superhero that is Moon Knight. So she goes off the rails with patient 86 but really it all goes perfectly nope <laughs> so all you have to do to win moon knight issue number 188 is be the first person to grab this digital code i'm about to read to you go to marvel.com redeem just punch it in and see if you won it's that easy you can use uh, the marvel.com the marvel app to read it so here you go listen in carefully turn the volume up on your earpods because here we go this is the code just write this down and plug it in on marvel.com redeem here you go F is in Frank, C is in Charlie, M is in Mary, G is in George, F is in Frank, S is in Sam, 5, B is in Boy, V is in Victor, S is in Sam, 6, Y is in Yellow. So there you go. By the way, the code expires November 1st, 2018, in case you're listening to this in the past or the future or whatever it is. So good luck. Please enjoy a little something here for me at Sunspots Comics. Just as a little thank you for listening. I do this every so often. I even post some on Instagram at Sunspots Comics. And if you do win, let me know just so I can kind of blast it out and tell people to stop entering the code. So good luck. I hope you win Moon Knight issue number 188. Hurry up. They go fast. Now let's get into the Sunspots Comics podcast issue number 133. Starting out with some stuff. That's been a floating around in my nerd brain. The very first thing that's been lodged deeply into my nerd lobes is some comic book, movie, and TV news. I got four things on the docket. Docket, that's a weird word. Uh, the first thing is my Justice League movie review. Spoiler warning right here. I'm, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Uh, if you know me and you've listened to the podcast, I, I'm not a fan of spoilers, so I'm going to do my best to stay away, just kind of touch on some things I liked and give you sort of an overall. So warning, spoiler alert, I'm going to review the Justice League movie. Here we go. So let's start out with the goods. There's some goods and bads. <clears throat> the good right off the bat was The Flash. He was funny. I was not expecting to him, him to be as funny as he was, honestly. <laughs> I thought they were going to lean a little more towards the CW and have him kind of a serious, you know, scientist sort of, sort of geek. Not at all. He was the comic relief. He was goofy. He was funny. And I really enjoyed it. And I also loved the visual of how Flash looked. The way the lightning was just kind of all around him and the way they kind of threw some red sparks on the floor every time he sort of geared up to run or right after he, he was running. I loved that. So Aquam, uh, Flash, big thumbs up. Aquaman was a badass. He just established himself quickly on as kind of the grumpy badass. I liked it. I know they're gearing up for the movie, so you didn't get a ton. But I really enjoyed Aquaman and his 140 abs that he has. Just ridiculous. It seems like they had to have him his shirt off 40% of the time. That's fine. You'll enjoy that, ladies. <laughs> and Wonder Woman. 
actually being kind of shoved, if you will, or nudged into being a leader. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Batman kind of taking the secondary role in some scenes. Don't expect that to be the whole thing. But I think due to the success of the Wonder Woman movie, come on, they definitely kind of nudged her into that leadership role. And I think that makes a lot of sense because really it's it's kind of a coming out of her being that leader and Batman nudging her in that way because if you really look at the timeline, if you go from their movie being World War I uh, to, say, today, that's a, just a giant gap of what's happening there and she's kind of been in the shadows. So I like that her sort of coming out as a leader. That worked for me and I want to see more of that. And overall, Joss Whedon doing his thing for Zack Snyder when he had to bow out, I guess, 80% uh, into the film with that tragic event that happened to him. Joss Whedon did a fantastic job. It's very easy to tell when his scenes are there. It's like a little light bulb clicks on. You can see everyone in the light. But the group ensemble worked. He has kind of this way of just creating this loose environment when everyone's together. And it just seems very casual and kind of ad-libby, which I know it's kind of not, or maybe slightly. I'd love to see some extra features on the Blu-ray when it comes out. But I dug it. You could tell Joss put a stamp on it. He added some positivity, some light, some fun, and it... It, it, besides just being very sort of obvious, there it is, that's a Joss Whedon scene, they worked great. It was just kind of a nice pairing, in my opinion. Batman had some great gadgets and some vehicles. That's all I'm going to tell you there. I enjoyed that, and I liked also him as kind of a little bit more of a positive role model. It worked for me. He didn't murder, death, kill anyone, <laughs> so he's a little back to form. I appreciated that. He, uh, he did use the Gatlin guns, but didn't kill any humans, which is great. Uh, I think that that rule is important to the very foundation that is Batman. We also get a little wonderful trip back to Wonder Woman land. I love Themyscira. I, it's kind of a past and present visit as well. So there's going to be some cool stuff there and some Easter eggs of some DC characters. I won't say who, but you'll see. And it's already online. Um, possibly Shazam. That's just one I'll mention. But very cool. I, also, the, the moment that I got most giddy was... <laughs> and so this is really the only scene I'll kind of break down is a uh, so spoiler warning of course is when the flash first meets or sees superman face to face and soups shows him that he's also fast <laughs> in this little scene i guess i won't totally lay it out but the reaction on flash's face is hilariously priceless priceless it, it i cracked up i uh, i enjoyed that it was my favorite scene i just was kind of nerd giddy at that moment but you'll see what i'm talking about when the Flash realizes, oh, he ain't all that fast because Soups is fast as well. Very cool. Uh, end scenes, they kind of took the Marvel uh, thing and, and did the end scenes as well. So stay until the lights come on or somebody's sweeping at your feet. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Uh, there's the end scene and another end scene. So uh, some of my friends, you know who you are, uh, left early because they thought, ah, DC movies don't normally do the end scenes. Uh, stay, folks. Stay all the way. So that's really all the tons of goods. A sprinkling of the bads. Um, really, the the bad guy, the villain, was okay. I mean, uh, Steppenwolf was just all right. Uh, maybe the biggest thing for me, the biggest sort of minus, was the ton of CGI. I know that's the way Zack does it, and he likes it, and a lot of Warner Brother films like to do it. It took me out a little bit at times. And there's the CGI mustache on Superman. Uh, you'll see what I'm saying. Try not to fixate on it, but it's there. Uh, Henry... You should have just shaved the thing. I don't know what that's all about. But um, maybe the other little minus is Cyborg. I didn't so much uh, gravitate to or really cared all that much about. It was like, oh, he's there. It's fine. They could have used a practical suit on him. They didn't need to 100% CG him. And really, it's just 25% of the actor's face, of Ray Fisher's face. 
But um, yeah, and maybe the other little last little teeny little just nugget of negativity was the Joss Whedon sort of light bulb that turns on on his very noticeable noticeable scenes. But it's minimal at best. It's so that's really uh, overall what I think about uh, Justice League. I do want to see it again. That says a lot. I give it four out of five sunspots, maybe 4.15 uh, or 85 percent. I give it a B. Ultimately, that pretty much explains how I feel about it. I will buy it. That says a lot as well because I think it's just fun and it's just action-packed and it moves really fast. It's only two hours, so paced really well. I do want to see the director's cut of Zack Snyder's film that the petition has already begun. It's out there. You can see about it online. They're petitioning to see Zack's full cut of it without Joss's uh, light bulb moments. But uh, I'd love to see that. I'm going to buy it. It's a definite... See again, it was a ton of fun. It, ensemble stuff worked funnier than I thought. Like I said, a B. Four out of five sunspots. So that's closing up the Justice League review. Hope you enjoyed that. Second thing in the comic book movie and TV news is that Sony recently announced they are working on a Spider-Man spin-off movie for Morbius, the living vampire. Yes! This Marvel anti-hero is gonna be in the in the family there with Venom, Black Cat, and Silver Sable as the line of standalone Sony Marvel comic book films. Uh, even the Hollywood Reporter recently uh, wrote that writers Bure Sharpless and Matt Sazami, Sazama, sorry if I messed those names up, uh, they're working on the writing here. They uh, did Power Rangers, Dracula Untold, and Gods of Egypt. <laughs> so, uh, but they're working on the writing and uh, the Morbius treatment. So I hope uh, they really connected to the marvel universe but they've announced they really won't but who knows we'll see how that goes i mean homecoming did pretty good with uh, having a nod to the mcu so come on there folks but i'm really excited about this i hope they stay true to form with the with dr Mor michael morbius he has a kind of an interesting origin whereas he's not kind of the traditional vampire story he had this rare blood disease and tries to use this serum made from bats uh, and it so it creates a different sort of kind of vampire, if you will, a superhero vampire that ends up being kind of an anti-hero. So stick to that, Sony. It works. The writing is there. The, fundamentally, it's a great character. Don't uh, do something crazy. Stick with that. Trust me, Sony. But looking forward to a spin-off movie of Morbius. Man, we got a ton of those. Venom and Black Cat and Silver Sable. Very cool. But looking forward to Sony's other Marvel movies. And the third thing on the comic book movie and TV news is that Fox recently announced that X-Men Multiple Man, they're developing a movie for it starring James Franco as Madrox. Doesn't sound like it's 100% signed, but they got a lot of the puzzle pieces in place here. They got Wonder Woman writer Alan Heinberg doing the script? Uh, yes. They also have uh, X-Men franchise Simon Kinberg producing? So, I like the new genre of X-Men movies. They're going in the right direction. Maybe the last one was kind of... It was alright. But I'm digging those. I have a lot of fun with them. For me, they re I re reviewed them well in the past. So, they've got some top talent. I like that. It sounds good. Multiple Man is this guy, Jamie Mandrox. He has the power to make a bunch of clones of himself. And usually his powers sort of center around being a private detective. So, I definitely see this as a unique movie opportunity here. Also having James Franco on board, that's top billing, so I'm in. Bring it on, Fox. Let's let's do an X-Men multiple man movie. Go for it. I, I'm excited about that. Something maybe off the beaten path. Try to make it unique, a little different. Because we've got a lot of X-Men TV shows, X-Men movies. you got to bring its own flavor. I think with Wonder Woman writer Alan Heinberg and X-Men franchise Simon Kinberg there, uh, that's a good sign they're going to probably bring it in an interesting direction. So very cool. James Franco doing multiple man. 
And the fourth and final bit of comic book and movie TV news is that AMC has actually just launched this documentary series called Visionaries. The first two parts that are available now, it just aired um, November 12th and 13th, uh, they're available. It's called AMC Visionaries, and the first two parts are Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics. So Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, he has his little stamp on some interesting stories of secret origins, secret history of comics. The first one's called The Mighty Misfits Who Made Marvel. I love this. It centers around uh, the Stan Lee and some of the controversial relationship with Jack Kirby. I like that it's brought to light here, and they, they kind of ask Stan some hard questions. I mean, come on, he's, he's 94 years old. Leave the guy alone. But they, they, they corner him a little bit to talk about the relationship between him and Jack Kirby. I loved it. I've seen this type of documentary done number of number of times, but they do some great uh, comic book cartooning that goes along with the storytelling to kind of give the flashbacks in, in comic book form. I totally love it. And there's a bunch of people in this, from Kevin Smith to Patty Jenkins to Fam uh, Jansen to J.K. Simmons to Michelle Rodriguez, Todd McFarlane, just to name a few of the people in these first two parts. The second part is on the history of Wonder Woman, the truth about Wonder Woman. I only just started watching that, but it's got it's got Patty Jenkins in there, so I'm all in. And a bunch of other people that, that cameo and talk about Wonder Woman. It's lovely. And this great reenactment where they actually hire actors, so it's not done in comic book form or, or done in sort of any animated way. It's it's They have actors and they have scenes and sets set up where, you know, Dr. William Marston is there and he meets his wife and his girlfriend. <clears throat> so it talks a little bit about that. So I am all in. They're going to be running five other parts of this with some great, amazing guests and people in the business that are really sort of talking about their, their inspirations and their passion to certain sort of iconic characters and figures. So Visionaries on AMC. I guess it runs through early 2018, but I'm definitely going to watch all of this. I already highly recommend the first uh, episode, Secret Histories of Comics with Marvel's uh, the, the Misfits Who Made Marvels with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So check it out. It's really super good. It's still hanging there in my nerd brain. Totally. But that closes the comic book movie and TV news. So, on to the last thing that's up inside my nerd brain is that I'm actually creating my very own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. This is just a passion project. It's full of me there. It's just, I packed it with all of the things that I love about comics and the things that have inspired me to make my own comic or uh, just everything I've read from Spider-Man and beyond. I've been wanting to put a comic book together since I was just a little kid, so this is a dream come true. I'm actually doing the writing, the lettering, the coloring, the flattening, which I'm still learning how to do, but my friend, good friend, Jordan Hudson. Hey, Jordan. He's doing his wonderful art, uh, line art, and he does the inks as well. His art is gorgeous. Please check his Instagram out at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jordan, for helping me just have my dream come true with Zombie Destroyers, my own comic book. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. I always like to fill you in as to where we are. I submitted my final sort of visual layouts and the final script for the final three pages of issue number one of Zombie Destroyers, my very own comic book. Uh, Jordan is actually working on them as we speak. So the final three pages are being are being penciled. I'm so super excited for issue number one to be done. Uh, it's We're almost there. It's crazy. I can't wait to finish it up and start issue number two. I've, uh, I've basically written out about 150 pages, but there's finalizing and sort of script adjustments you make as you go along. I've had a lot of family and podcast uh, listeners asking me, what's the plan as far as publishing it when Zombie Destroyers Issue 1 is done? The answer is I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I really want to just do all of the experience, the entire, really the entire process from beginning to end, 
and focus on making the comic book my way, making Zombie Destroyers 100% just me from start to finish. So before I put it out there, that's what I want to focus on. So we'll see. I'm not sure what I'm going to do as far as the publishing goes and how I'm going to put it out there. But right now, I want to focus on the creative aspect of it and doing it my way. And if you want to see what Zombie Destroyers looks like, just go over to the website, sunspotscomics.com, and click on the link that says Zombie Destroyers. I've posted the cover page, uh, pages one through four, and even a picture of Jordan's dad, the artist of Zombie Destroyers, Jordan Hudson, his father playing and dressing up as a, a, a cosplaying at Rose City Comic Con as Zombie Destroyer's father and mentor, Bruce, a character that I created for the comic. He is the centerpiece, if you will, one of the centerpieces, uh, the father figure of Zombie Destroyers. It's so freaking good. You got to see it. So just go over to sunspotscomics.com, click on Zombie Destroyers if you want to see what my comic looks like. So moving on, next, I'd like to just kind of give a mention to a segment that we have called Spotlighting. And in spotlighting, basically, I sit down with someone in the comic book business. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. You're just in the business or trying to get into the business. And we sit down and have a nice little nerdy chit-chat. So ultimately, if you yourself or someone that you know is an independent comic book creator, we want to have a little sit-down. I want to just kind of pick your brain and talk about the comic book biz and ultimately support you and get your work out there so people are aware of it so our podcast listeners can hear about it. There's a bunch of them in the feed. Go check it out in the Sunspots Comics feed. You can see them all there. Uh, so if you work in comics, you want to have a chat, just hit me up right here. We'll talk on a future podcast. Send me a copy of your review work of your stuff to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. So thank you very much. There are some stuff, uh, there's some interviews coming up. So thank you very much for for lining up there, folks. We've got scheduling things going on, but we're going to get some other interviews on the podcast here very soon. So now on to my favorite part, the meat and potatoes, the nitty gritty of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books, the brand new stuff that just came out, new comic book day, Wednesday, November 15th. And of course, super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert. But really, don't worry. I really try hard. I, I work really super hard every single week to just work on trying to inspire you to buy these amazing comic books without spoiling them. I mean... There's just so many, everybody else spoils. I just want to give you a little tasty little nugget of it and move on. I never really discuss the last few pages I, at all. I don't even touch them. And I only cover just some of the interesting points that make up these comic books. But just in case, you've been super duper light, semi-spoilerish, alerted. <laughs> also, to see everything that I'm reading, to see a nice little catalog of my favorite picks and all of my pull lists and everything I've been doing since the podcast began over two years ago, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list, you'll see the 107 titles that I'm currently reading. That goes up and down. It's crazy. <laughs> there were some cuts a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the stuff that's staying on the list is top-notch. So just go over there. Every single week I update the site. I keep it simple. I compact it. I'm really super proud of it. Just check out sunspotscomics.com from time to time. And also, here we go now, breaking into the art team. I always talk about my favorite artist, of the week and my favorite cover artist of the week. So here we go. The artist winner this week is David Marquez for Defenders, issue number seven from Marvel Comics. Please follow him. His art is beautiful at Marquez Comic Art. His stuff is beautiful. I follow him on Instagram. Ultimately, every single action sequence in this comic is pure perfection. It's his amazing use of space and the way he fills space. He also used those little small insert boxes to kind of move the action along quickly. I love that. He has these gorgeous close-up of Elektra's face and eyes. 
I just love when he sort of messes with perspective. He'll just pull in, uh, you know, really close, and you'll see sort of a, a detailed eye, and then just backs way away to just give this whole, the whole comic book altogether, really, especially the action sequence, this feeling of kinetic movement. I just love it. It's wonderful. His lines are so perfectly detailed and precise, and he just does action like no one else. The physics, when he, when characters are jumping through the air, he tries to make their body just sort of twist and contort into positions you really haven't seen. That's David Marquez, folks. Check out Defenders issue number seven. He is easily my artist winner for all the lovely action he provided in Defenders issue number seven. David Marquez, thank you. And this week's cover artist winner, um, I mean, just so you know, like, an amazing cover for me is one that inspires me to where I want to buy a comic book with really no regard to what's in the interior. <laughs> so it really has to stand on its own. It has to inspire me to want to just frame it and leave it up on the wall. And really, regardless of what the comic is all about, this week's cover artist is David Mack. He did uh, this cover for Minky Woodcock, The Girl Who Handcuffed Houdini, issue number one by Titan Comics. Follow him on everything at David Mac Kabuki, K-A-B-U-K-I. Over the years, he's just continues to amaze me with his watercoloring minimalist style. He does these interesting splashes and adds droplets and uses these quick brush strokes. His technique is is really professional. He loves pink. It's everywhere. <laughs> but he has this very unique eye and and it's hard to totally explain. But it, it definitely looks like this lovely piece of art. I mean, even the he cuts out old newsprint and kind of just glues them on the page with newsprint of Houdini articles because it ties right into the comic. I love when there is a tie-in. I don't want art to be absolutely abstract and has nothing to do with the comic. I love when it kind of ties in because that just sort of in a way starts the story off. That happens here. And he even like sort of glues on pieces of actual fabric. So it just gives it this really high-end art feel. It's gorgeous. Check out this very long title, Minky Woodcock, The Girl Who Handcuffed Houdini, issue number one by Titan Comics. Go look at David Mack's cover. Gorgeous. Again, check him out, at David Mack Kabuki. So there's the art winners. And the breakdown. This week, man, we had, I had 14 comics that I read, and seven of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. So that hits the sweet spot at 50%, right where I want to be. It was an excellent week of comics. There could have been a few more that were seriously high goods, but I only put on the greats on my top comic book pick list. And the new number ones, I always try to highlight this so you can just kind of take note here of brand new number ones so you can jump in. Uh, there were two number ones this week. I'll point them out as I go through it uh, on the countdown. But only one of them made it. So one new number one that was worthy of the great list. So that's excellent, right there at the 50% mark. So let's get into it. Let's start my top comic book recommendations. This is the Great Ones list of the best new comic books that just came out November 15th. I really do consider these amazing. They're worth your time and money. Go get them right away. So let's get into Countdown. There's seven of them. Coming in at number seven is Unholy Grail from Aftershock Comics. This is written by Cullen Bunn. Of course, he's doing a ton of stuff right now. Uh, Harrow County is one of my favorites of all time. Beautiful art from Mirko Kolak. I apologize if I messed that name up. Sorry, Mirko. <laughs> but this is, uh, for the gist, it's a twisted tale of King Arthur. I love that the, in this particular comic, they really have Merlin stand out as more of just this devious, mis mischievous character. Or even like an agent of chaos. I love that. That's the sort of hardcore twist in this Arthur tale, if you will. He's the muse of, uh, of everyone's ultimate demise. And Cullen definitely harnessed his love of the movie Excalibur, which I really love as well, 
uh, and also various tales of King Arthur and various renditions to make his own unique rendition. The art is stunning in this. Marco Mirko Kolak just did a fantastic job of really displaying this very brutal nature nature of, of the world that is Unholy Grail. It's gritty, it's dark, It he loves to kind of play in the shadows when there are moments when Merlin is sort of attacking and he's just in the dark and you go, where is he? Ah, you can see the silhouette of him. Fantastic job on art, Mirko. I'm definitely going to follow your stuff from now on. But this is a very much more brutal, <laughs> violent, uh, and much more magical tale of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. It definitely scratches that Game of Thrones itch that I've been missing so much. This is doing it more than anything else I'm reading right now. But Merlin is just, it really, he's stirring things up here. He's hes inspiring a bunch of discord in Camelot. Uh, Guinevere, of course, her adultery is front and center here, is what she does. And uh, Arthur sees it, even, when Guinevere is cheating on him. And yet you think, okay, he's going to murder, death, kill everyone. But he doesn't because of Guinevere's sort of witch monster that she birthed. <laughs> And how she's also this sort of muse and trying to create mass hysteria in Camelot. So I love this. I want to see where it's going. It's definitely been getting better and better and better. I think it's the first time Unholy Grail has been on the great pick list. So it just seems to be getting better. Cullen Bunn is he's in the long game here. He's, he's just teasing us and tickling us. And now it's got to a point where we're getting some meaty parts of the story. So I'm loving this. King Arthur tale. Can't wait to see where this goes. Number seven, Unholy Grail, issue number four. Go grab it. Read from number one. It's good stuff. And the art is beautiful. Coming in number six is the only number one that made it to the countdown. The cover art winner of uh, David Mack. And coming in number six is Minky Woodcock, the girl that handcuffed Houdini. Issue number one from the Hard Case Crime slash Titan Comics. And you have um, wonderful, wonderful artist. David Mack, by the way, cover winner, easily gorgeous. You have to see it. Uh, this is a unique artist here. I, this is why it really grabbed me. This is written and illustrated by Cynthia Von Bueller. And check her stuff out. Just look look up Cynthia Von Bueller. She's an interesting artist. She has this very flashback to the 20s sort of sensibility, the Great Depression kind of look. And it's just, it's just gorgeous. I'll get into that in a second here. But um, she really does a great job of really giving you this authentic feel of the 20s. I love that. I love this era, the Roaring Twenties, the, like I said, the Eve of the Great Depression is where it happens. The outfits, the hats, the oak, the leather, the gin joints, the speakeasies, I just kind of dig it all, and Cynthia Von Bueller captures the essence of it just so well with her beautiful art, very unique looking art. She even does some great angling where it's, she just kind of puts the camera, if you will, or the vision uh, point of perspective way above the head of all the characters, and so you have this sort of God view, if you will, looking down on the action. I love it. I absolutely love it. If I were a, a, a white guy, <laughs> I would maybe want to travel back to the, this era. <laughs> right? It's uh, You can't go there if you're brown or anything. <laughs> 20s were rough. But just what a lovely romantic era this was. But the gist. Minky is the daughter of this private investigator. Uh, she's just spunky. She's a minx. She's just, um, she wants to be her own woman in the 20s and be a, you know, sort of strong, uh, you know, character here. And she wants to follow in her father's footsteps and be a private in investigator like her father. And I love even that Cynthia Von Bueller's captured the, just the accent and, and using uh, the, the words in a very appropriate way here to where it feels right. It's not like you're reading, you know, current sensibility in a 20s comic. She captures that. You know what I mean? See? Yeah. See? But, uh, 
She, along with the authentic look, she just captured that perfectly. The speech of the 20s. <clears throat> and there's this great se- uh, seance sequence. Uh, she's basically, someone has approached her and wants to have them investigate Houdini. This person believes that Houdini is maybe uh, just sort of a spiritual uh, guide of some sort, maybe has magical powers, but they want him just to be sort of investigated and find out if he's a man of of science, a man of magic, or a fraud completely. And instead of giving the case right to her father, who happens to not be in the office, she's sort of tackling this and, on, her, on her own. So she's just uh, she has this naivete, she has this innocence about her, but she also has a spunkiness. So I like the character that is Minky. And I, I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, I'm, I love Houdini-related stories. He's an interesting person. Even with the way Cynthia Von Bueller draws Houdini looks just very accurate, but in her own sort of sort of way, very stoic way. I love it. But check his, this out. It is worth your time. Great indie comic, again, from Hard Case Crime slash Titan Comics. Check it out. Minky Woodcock, The Girl Who Handcuffed Houdini. Again, by Cynthia Von Bueller. Love it, love it, love it. And coming in at number five is The Amazing Spider-Man from Marvel Comics, issue number 791, The Fall of Parker. Well, this gives you a little gloom and doom with that name, The Fall of Parker, but this is honestly a very uplifting, feel-good kind of comic that I really enjoyed. It was just refreshing and bright. And where we are now is that uh, Parker Industries has collapsed. He's dating Mockingbird, and their relationship is cute and fun and light, and I love that. Not too complicated and crazy, yet. I'm sure it's going to get messy. She has superpowers as well, so who knows where that's going to go. But this is sort of the aftermath of Parker Industries going down, and this is sort of the building of the next arc, and I love where they're kind of going with this. Um, Even Mockingbird is a scientist as well, kind of an engineer scientist, so it's a great sort of pairing. And they're living together, but Peter Parker stays on the couch. I just love that sort of old-fashionedness. It's very it's very flashback. It's not of modern day, I guess. But it's just that he has sort of, you know, he has a... Aunt May has, has taught him with some respect uh, for to, to women. So I kind of dig that. He's, he's, he's being very sort of romantic and gallant. But there's some interesting things going on here with the Osborne family. Um... There's the nanny that's sort of secretly taking Normie's blood. Normie Jr., Normie the third, I I think, or the second, Jr., whatever. But what is that all about? Um, I want to see where that little sort of thread goes. But there's a great just fight, see, opening fight sequence here with Spider-Man and Mockingbird. He's doing his Spider-Man thing. He's he's thwipping through New York. It's a simple, just feel-good comic. That's I think it's even one away from really establishing the next arc. So it's you know Dan Slott's doing his thing. It's a slow burn here. He's writing it by the way. Gorgeous art from Stuart Eminen. He just is home run on this. It's just so clean and crisp. The colors are vibrant. Got to give props to color artist Rain. I love that first name, Rain. Burrito. I love burritos, but that's not how you... It's B-E-R-E-D-O. Berido? I have no idea. Sorry. But his colors are fantastic in this, but it's just a feel-good, great comic. Grab it, because it's building for the next arc. Where is this going to go? We don't know. I just like that it's just a slow burn, but again, it's a moment of where Peter Parker's life hasn't is not completely in shambles. I mean, Parker Industries went down, but this is kind of the... Gives him sort of that... There's some things that happen here that are giving him that that hope and that reason to kind of continue on. And he knows that, you know, he knows what he has to do. And he has sort of a game plan here that's formulated to kind of get things back on track. And he starts his new job at the Daily Bugle. So it's refreshing there. It's a return to home, if you will. Legacy. It's all that. 
but uh, it, he's in a different capacity. He's like the the primary science writer, so he's being really like nicely supported from from Rob Robbie, I think is his name, that works at the now runs it. J Jonason, J Jonah Jameson's gone. Where is J J Jonah Jameson? I have no idea. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Check out Amazing Spider-Man 791. Great jump on point. I've really enjoyed it. And Dan Slott and Stuart Eminen. Come on, get it. But coming in at number four is from Image Comics. It is Maestros. Maestros. Issue number two. This is uh, written and art by Steve Scross. Beautiful art. This is an art runner-up right here. Art winner runner-up. Gorgeous, gorgeous art. Colors by Dave Stewart. One of the top-notch colorists in the biz. He knows how to do the colors. He's got a beautiful eye for it. This is a beautiful fantasy. The gist here is there's this fantasy world and the sort of Supreme Emperor wizard was destroyed and all of his heirs were destroyed and there's only one left that's basically was living on Earth and had no idea about this. Well, sort of. He's There's some flashbacks here of, of when he realized, uh, yeah, my dad is kind of this weird super wizard, but it's kind of uh, interesting. The, the Really, the most interesting part is that he's thrusted into being now this Supreme Emperor Wizard. He's given the, these, these interesting powers, these omnipotent powers, godlike powers, to being this Prime Wizard now. And he just has this very love of Earth sensibility. <laughs> and I love that he is trying to infuse, as he takes over this magical realm, he's trying to bring in like, like fundamentally democratic sort of governing ways into this this wizard world that never had anything like that it was pretty much just run by an emperor that had these magical powers and would kill you if you don't listen but he's trying to be like democratic about it <laughs> and he brings forth some very dramatic things to establish himself as the supreme being and then also very subtle things like having a like you know almost like casual friday at work <laughs> in the world the wizard world of work if you will and he's just this dude, basically, <laughs> that's now the Supreme Wizard. So you can kind of relate to him in that way. The cover's great. This otherworldly throne that he's sitting on with all of his minions reaching out in their hands. And he has Vans on. <laughs> like, just, just, you know, you're, the Vans you see all the time, the laceless kind of, kind of, you know, $30 Vans. And it's just a little smidge of just like, this is a little odd. And... I just, I just want to see where this goes. It, 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 the story so far is just there is this, um, this other faction that's extremely not happy with, uh, with, the, with his father that was killed and murdered and probably had something to do with his murder. But he's just like this twenty-something-year-old kind of millennial, likable millennial that's there, just kind of mixing things up. Even people that hated him and hated his father, he's like, eh, you know, we'll give you a shot. You can have a job. Like, do the best you can. You know. The past was the past. He's just this kind of dude. <laughs> so I got to see where this goes. Humongous cliffhanger at the end, which is definitely leading to some madness falling upon the throne. A double cross happens. That's all I'm going to tell you. He meets his ex-girlfriend. And even her, she did some horrible things to him. And uh, But he's just like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. I'm, I'm the supreme being now. And so, you know, all things are forgiven. It's cool, whatever. <laughs> Check it out, Maestros. You gotta see it. Art is gorgeous. Steve Scross having a good time with this. I laughed like four or five times. Oh, he has this thing on here that he makes everyone read called the Khaleesi Reports. And they're like, what the hell's a Khaleesi? I love that little moment. That gag worked over and over again and had me chuckling the whole time. But check it out. Khaleesi Reports. <laughs> but here we go now. Now we're into the big three. The top three comics of the week. So here we go. Listen closely. Coming in. Number three from Marvel Comics is Darth 
Vader. It seems like Darth Vader is continually being a top pick, which I I love that. It's so good. This the previous arc of the 25 issues of Darth Vader was not as good as this arc. They're only eight in, and they're fantastic. It started with Darth Vader trying to find this Jedi that's alive to steal his lightsaber, corrupt the kyber crystal, and have his own red lightsaber. Fantastic. So it's about him and the Emperor right after Episode 3 when he first gets the Darth Vader suit and he's on this mission. So that's kind of done. And now he was given charge to this sort of Sith librarian group, if you will. And they're um, destroying artifacts that, be that belong to the Jedi and they're they're gathering sort of Sith artifacts and this really is just showing the, the anger issues that Darth Vader has here. And even the Emperor has had to advise Darth Vader, like, yo, bro, chill out. <laughs> he has to tell Darth, hey, Darth, like, chillax, man. This He even says, like, there'll be no one left in the Empire if you just keep choking everyone. <laughs> so I just love that little scene. He's like, you know, there is there is something to be said about a forceful hand, but we need employees, Darth. There's, there's, our bodies needed to, you know, cheeks that need to be in the seats here, pal. So it's just great. But there is this older Jedi woman that has a weird name that I can't remember. That secretly has a plan to sneak into Coruscant where Darth and the Emperor are. And uh, secure and safely obtain some Jedi holocrons and some data here of where the locations of the remaining sort of Force-sensitive Jedis are in the galaxy. And this older woman is uh, has this secret way in. She's using the Jedi mind trick. She even has the comm link from the first three episodes. It was just kind of neat to see it. Which was also, uh, you can buy it when you bought the action figures to episode one, two, and three. And it had this little weird chip. I'm on a, I'm on a tangent, sorry. This weird chip that every sort of action figure came with. And you put the chip on the comm link and then it says something from the actor's voice. I actually kind of dug that. I still have it. And she's carrying the thing. She's got the little comm link that goes on her side. It's identical to that. It's a node to the comm link of episode 1, 2, and 3. I don't know. It just warmed my heart and I just kind of nerded out a little bit by it. But she's on this mission to secretly sneak into Coruscant. Somehow avoid the Emperor and Darth Vader. Find these these Jedi, uh, you know, holocrons and this, this Jedi data of where the remaining Force-sensitive Jedis are. Very cool. It's just action-packed. It's fun stuff. And uh, I love when she's using the Jedi mind trick. But this is writer Charles Soule, by the way, and art by Giuseppe Camancoli. So sorry. But get Darth Vader from issue number one. It's great stuff. It's so much fun. It's just getting me pumped for December 14th, The Last Jedi. I got my tickets. I'm ready to go. But anyway, coming in at number two <laughs> from Aftershock Comics, this is Baby Teeth. Issue number six. Always a high-ranking pick here, folks. Get Baby Teeth. It's phenomenal. From Aftershock Comics, written by Donnie Cates, and wonderful art from Gary Brown. He has a very dark, very kind of chisel, very kind of unique line look. He does that dead eye thing from back away from far and then really hyper detailed eyes when he does close ups and such. I love that sort of effect. But Baby Teeth, the gist. There's a demon, Omen 666 baby, if you will, or babies that are continually being born into the world. And the people that are just trying to deal with them. There's our young character here. She's uh, 16 years old. She, Her name is Sadie. She sort of had the baby without having a dad. Uh, you know, immaculate conception. It's this demon baby. And there's this assassin group called the Silhouette that's coming after them. And so that's the gist of it there. There's this weird demon raccoon that shows up every so often. <laughs> These assassins are fighting them. It's this great family ensemble with their sister Heather 
who is just born angry. It's the best way to describe her. And their dad, who is this like ex-Green Beret fighter pilot that's there with them. I just love the family ensemble. And she's just, you know, Sarah's or Sadie is like, um, she represents the innocence and the naivete there. And so they're just trying to protect her because Heather's a badass. She shoots three times, asks questions later. Like I said, she's born angry. And the dad is the sort of even ground there one. He's a, he's a kick-ass fighter. I love that. He fights an assassin in one of the past issues, which is great a great fighting sequence. But uh, it's just all packed with that. It's very complicated, very sort of, very real-world sort of treatment to this strange, uh, these demon babies that keep being born on Earth. And apparently the assassin group, the silhouette, kind of continually kill them. It's, it's nuts. And so they want to keep their baby alive, this, this blood-drinking baby alive? And you're like, hey, just... You know, let the baby go, but you can't do that. She she sort of loves the baby, and they had a bond, and so the family's protecting the baby, even though the baby could very well be the end of all things. <laughs> but this issue has uh, Sadie's kind of doing her Sarah Connor thing. I love that she's telling the story from the future, and her son, uh, you know, is much older. You don't know uh, how old she is there, and how old the baby is, and where the baby is. She seems to be just alone in these sort of Roman ruins, telling the story to her phone. So. That's sort of what's happening here. A little bit of that saga sort of way that they're storytelling in a smidge, but a little different because they, they visit where she is and you see that the world's kind of destroyed. What happened there? And I love that the demon raccoon makes a little visit on the wing of a plane. Yeah, and they reference the movie that they <laughs> write in there as to what it sort of reminds them of. Um, but yeah, they there is this other character that's there, Dancy. And I think his name is Dancy. That's a weird name. Yeah, he's like this wizard maybe vampire more of a wizard who keeps calling the baby the king and he wants to take them to their castle this castle that they have and they're this this group that supports and tries to keep these demon babies alive but i don't think any of them have ever been kept alive the assassin group is very much winning there i guess maybe a hundred to zero i'm not sure but we're gonna find more about that there it's really just the tease of that that's all i want to tell you it's some great character setup interesting castle it's just a ton of madness here going on that is baby teeth. It's continual, continual, continual high pick on the pick of the week. So check out baby teeth from Aftershock. Worth your time, money, invest, go get it, grab it. It's only on issue six. But here we go now. The number one, the numero uno, the creme de la creme, the, uh, the, the chocolate and peanut butter, <laughs> the one that beat them all. Number one this week was Defenders. Issue number seven. That's right. This is the uh, just beautiful, beautiful. Um, Brian Michael Bendis is writing it. And this is the, uh, again, the um, uh, art winner, David Marquez. It's just, it's stunning. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, uh, I'm just, it's just like, huh, it's blown me away here. It's so beautiful. Artist winner, David Marquez. And this is just so much fun. This is way better than the Defenders TV show from Netflix. Sorry, Netflix. I wish they would have harnessed 25% of this, but this is just action-packed. This sequence here focuses around Elektra and Iron Fist fighting, and it's something glorious. It's beautiful. Like I said, the kinetic energy that's displayed here, the body positioning, the flipping around, the, the use of the sort of speed lines here. Uh, the, even There's even these sort of pigeons that are flying around, kind of frozen in this little moment where Elektra's just flipping and jumping off of buildings and has her size with her. It's just lovely. And right off the bat, you have Deadpool explaining the previously on, and I'll, I'll be honest, at first I thought, man, that's a lot of words, and Deadpool does a lot of talking, I hope that Deadpool's funny, man, was I 
just wrong to even slightly groan or roll my eyes with having Deadpool explain the previously on. He does a fantastic job. It's hilarious. He even writes over the credits, kind of graffitiizes the credits there. It's all lovely and absolutely works. He's sitting behind Jessica Jones's desk, pulls out a bottle of Jack Daniels and just kind of kind of chews the, sh- the scenery and kind of shoots the shoots the shizzle. <laughs> it's great. And you see him again. He just sort of continually breaks that fourth wall, <laughs> which makes it even just an, another level of fun. But it's really about the amazing fight sequence between Elektra and Iron Fist. They go toe-to-toe. It does not stop. There are like two epic single-page splashes. I love when Iron Fist sort of goes Nova, and you see this beautiful explosion of yellow and red. It's glorious. And... And then you have the Punisher with sort of it's just only sequence I'll talk about is the Punisher. He has his sights lined up, lined up to just to just put a bullet through Daredevil's head when the group is trying to convince them to tell him who they are because they are still dealing with the Purple Kids that wiped out everyone's memory of of Deadpool and who his secret identity was. So as he's lined up Daredevil in his sights, what does he see but Deadpool's butt? right in the center and he says he says is spider-man's better than mine be honest i just it just timed it out right brian michael bendis sad that you're leaving and going on to dc but you're not really leaving because we're going to read you there anyway and you know you did everything at marvel uh, brian michael bendis so yeah it's, it's gonna be great i think i'm excited but it's just a ton of fun and the action sequence here just alone you want to put your eyes on it and just live in this they do the sort of Gosh, it's got to be 20 small panels that are done so hyper-detailed in this fight between Iron Fist and Elektra. It's gorgeous. There's just moments of just, like I said, the even the martial arts is portrayed accurately here with some of the blocking moves and the parries and the, and the front and forward kicks. It, it all just has a very realistic, brutal, super-powered fight. It's, it's yeah, I mean... Some people don't like to see heroes fight each other, but this was fantastic. And is Electra a hero? I don't know. In this, she's kind of not. But love it, love it, love it. Get Defenders. It's been a top pick a bunch of times. It's up there like Baby Teeth and Darth Vader, man. These top three are just a reoccurring top pick, so you need to go get them. But, uh, man, it's glorious. And Deadpool just had me cracking up the whole time. And it, even though there are a ton of words, read them all. It's worth it. It's fun. He, he builds this tapestry of humor that just works. So thank you, Brian Michael Bendis. And glorious, glorious art. Like I said, art winner, David Marquez. Gorgeous, beautiful stuff. So there you go. There you have it. That's the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 133. Let me lock up the vault door. And there you go. Wow, such a heavy lock. Those are my new comic book recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, November 15th. Go to a local comic book shop, support your local comic book store, and buy these comics. Trust me, these seven are top-notch. Tell them that Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. If you have any questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Maybe there's a comic book I need to be reading. Like, I've had some great recommendations. Send me what you think I'm missing. It's hard to get everything. I try to read as much as I possibly can. I am all over the board. I'm... I try to find unique and interesting stuff, but maybe I'm missing something. So if you think I'm missing something, tell me. Send me an email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Please check out my blog at blog.sunspotscomics.com. 
Sign up for our newsletter at sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And tune in next week for issue number 134 of the Sunspots Comics podcast, where I'm going to be reading another week of 15 new comics, brand new stuff that's coming out Wednesday, November 22nd, and three new number ones that I hope to grab. So that's potentially 18 comics I'm going to read, and I'll be reading them all and telling you what the best of the best of the best are. And I hope to get all of the three number ones because it's tough sometimes to get them through your local comic book shop. And I hope they're amazing so I can talk to you about them and tell you to go grab them. Because it's fun to jump on when new number ones come out. And here's just a really fast sneak peek into some of the new comics that are coming out next week that I'll be talking about for podcast issue number 134. So here we go. No particular order. Aliens Dead Orbit. I've been loving that. It's been a couple maybe two, three months since Aliens Dead Orbit issue number three came out, so I'm glad to see it's here. Can't wait to read that. There's three titles from Aftershock next week. Crazy. Animosity Evolution and Eleanor and Egret number five. Jimmy's Bastards number five. So Aftershock, three titles next week. Spawn 280s next week. Star Wars 39. Sword Quest, that crazy little weird story about the, the old 80s video game. Number five of five is next week. I've uh, been loving that. The wrap-up and the finish of The Unsound. It's another, I believe that's a Cullen Bunn title. So that's wrapping up. And Exo Man of War number nine. So great week of comics. It's going to be a damn great week of new comics. So please just subscribe, listen in, tell a nerdy loved one to check out the Sunspots Comics podcast. Really appreciate it. If you missed any of the links, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll put them on the podcast show notes so you don't have to worry about that. But really, seriously, listen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really hope I inspired you to buy some new stuff, some brand new comic books, because they were super, super good. But really, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time, and I hope I made your commute a little better or your day a little better, whatever it may be. And if you want to just give a little back and say thank you to us here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast, just go to iTunes, hit us with some friendly words and a five-star review. I'll even read your, your review on a future podcast right here and mail you a little thank you, comic book thank you prize, from me directly. Just for saying thank you. So I'm going to leave you right now with track number seven, my friend Nick. It's just him and the boys in the band called Solution. It's their album called Palm Trees and Freeways. This one's called Beautiful Dream. It just makes me feel good. It's a happy, fun-loving song. Great track. Just check it out. Listen to the rest of it right here. So until next week, spend some time with, with the ones you love. Have a great Thanksgiving. You know, sit down. Be careful of that, that, what is it called, tryptophan? It's a real thing. So take it easy. Wear loose pants. <laughs> you don't want to be uncomfortable. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. Be like water, my friends. Stay nerdy. Talk to you next week. Bye bye.
I would like an Arnold Palmer at the Omelette Parlor. <laughs> That's hard to say. <laughs> 